Investors in the CDO lost approximately $1 billion, and Paulson's CDS positions yielded a profit in approximately the same amount. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm Adam Davidson. Today is Friday, April 16th, and that was Robert Kuzami, Enforcement Director for the Securities and Exchange Commission. You heard at the top talking about today's indicator, which we'll get to in one minute. And then later on the show, why do boilermakers and carpenters in New Jersey hate Toxie, our sweet little planet money toxic asset? We're going to find out, but Jacob Goldstein is sitting right next to me with our indicator. Hi, guys. Hey. So today's indicator is $1 billion. Uh, That's how much investors lost after they bought a CDO from Goldman Sachs back before the housing market crashed. A billion is also the number of times we've talked on Planet Money about CDOs. (laughs) I know every time I see CDO in a radio script, I like take a breath. I'm like, all right, do we explain it and then take 30 minutes or do we just assume that people maybe have heard of it before? Just assume a CDO, that is the most toxic of toxic assets. It's the most toxic of toxic assets. It's tied to mortgages in some way we don't need to get into. They fell apart when the mortgage market fell apart. So there's one other key piece of $1 billion today. $1 billion is also the amount of money that a hedge fund called Paulson & Company made by betting against this very same CDO sold by Goldman Sachs. And today, the SEC filed a lawsuit against Goldman Sachs, alleging that Paulson actually had a big influence in choosing what went into this CDO. And then Paulson went and bet against the CDO. And, and this is really the key part of the lawsuit, Goldman didn't tell people who bought the CDO that Paulson had a lot of influence over what went into it. And we should say Paulson is John Paulson, no relation to former Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson. And I have to say, when I heard this story, a hedge fund convincing an investment bank to create a particularly lousy CDO just so the hedge fund could bet against it, and the investment bank not telling the other investors that this whole CDO was set up to fail, this sounds exactly like the story Alex did last weekend on This American Life with our good friends at ProPublica about Magnetar, the hedge fund that had investment banks create CDOs and then bet against them. It does ring a lot of bells. Uh, I mean, this is a different hedge fund. And it's also worth pointing out that the SEC here is suing Goldman Sachs, which sold the CDO, and it's not suing the hedge fund that was involved. I got to say, it was when I first saw this story, when it first came, like the Wall Street Journal story didn't mention the hedge fund for a few paragraphs. And I was like, oh, my goodness, they're going after the very thing that Alex called on them to do. Alex said in his story, if you heard it, hey, SEC, you might want to investigate Magnetar. So... They didn't go after Magnetar. They, they haven't yet, but, you know, I'm sure the guys over at ProPublica will be keeping a close eye on that. All right. Thank you, Mr. Jacob. All right. Thanks, guys. Back to the blog cave with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hannah, let's stick on this topic of toxic assets and investigations because we recently got some big news about our own personal toxic asset, our favorite toxic monster, Toxie. We bought her, actually you and David bought her in Kansas City a few weeks back, and she's like our own personal tour guide of the financial crisis. And we've been trying desperately to understand more about her past. Yeah, and when we bought her, I mean, we basically had a very few pieces of information. We knew she's made up of more than 2,000 mortgages given out by Countrywide, that big subprime lender. All the mortgages were given out in 2005. We knew that. 
And then basically we knew she was really, really cheap. You guys got an amazing bargain, I have to say, when we sent you off to Kansas City with our money in your pocket. I personally have never gotten such a good bargain, and I've been all over the Middle East. (laughs) She was basically 98% off. She is called a toxic asset. Yeah, so David and I went toxic asset shopping in Kansas City with a guy named Witt Solberg at Mission Peak Capital. And we were looking for mortgage-related bonds born in 2005, 2006, the height of the bubble, which by 2010, when we were looking, almost nobody wanted. And they're piled up in sort of a virtual discount bin of Wall Street. So there are investors out there who spend time rifling through that discount bin, hoping to find a lovely bargain. And after... A lot of time. You guys found one. It took two days. And I'm actually just going to play a short piece of tape from the most exciting moment of those two days, the moment we met Taxi. Here's our colleague David Kestenbaum talking to Witt Solberg. Finally, we find her. A beautiful, totally toxic asset at what Witt thinks is a good price, $36,000. The original sticker price was a lot more. $2.7 million. Meaning that's how much money, in theory, is supposed to be coming in from yeah, all the mortgages. What, yeah. Wow, so someone originally was, someone was holding it, expecting it to be worth a lot more money. Yeah, somebody, a, a human being or an institution paid $2.72 million for this within very recent history. And you bought it for $36,000. That's right. We should say we did not pay $36,000. The Planet Money team pulled our resources and came up with $1,000, so... One thirty-sixth of that $36,000 price. And ever since that human or institution, whoever paid that original much larger price, has really remained abstract. It's just some vague investor out there in the ether. Until now. This week, Adam, in a lawyer's office in midtown Manhattan, I met that person. When we bought our slice of this bond, we were told that there were people originally who bought this slice for $2.7 million. We bought it for $36,000. We bought it for a tiny fraction of what it was originally bought for, one and a half cents on the dollar. You, you're the one who bought it for 100 cents on the dollar. Yes, that's correct. We bought it for 100 cents on the dollar. Planet Money, meet George Laufenberg. He is the administrative manager of the New Jersey Carpenters Fund. And George and the Carpenters, you know, they bought a much larger piece than we did. They spent $100,000. It was for the Carpenter Union's Vacation Fund. Sounds nice. George manages that and he also manages their pension fund, their health benefits. Yeah, he's this big, tan, white-haired guy. I'm sorry to say this because it's probably a carpenter stereotype, but he has very large hands. That's a very noticeable thing about him. And he basically works on behalf of the unionized carpenters of New Jersey. A union carpenter builds high-rises, does concrete form work, uh, does metal studs, sheetrock work, does ceiling work, furniture work. They build cabinets. Are you a carpenter? Uh, Yes, I am. I'm actually a carpenter out of Local 623, Uh, Atlantic City, and I've been a member of the Carpenters Union since 1972, which puts me at about 38 years. Now, George sounds like a nice guy, Adam, but he hates our taxi. Our sweet little taxi. I know. Actually, he, he hates her whole family because George manages the Carpenters' pension funds, which, before they met the likes of taxi, was doing pretty well. Cumulative, we had a return since 1978 of approximately 9%. In 2008, uh, we had a loss of approximately a quarter of the assets in the pension fund. Basically, it meant we lost a third of our assets in 2008. 
So, Hana, right when Toxie made her debut on the podcast, we got an email from a listener with this subject line. Did you know your toxic asset is being sued? <laughs> yes. And I have to say we were a little freaked out when we first saw that email. Actually, Hana, you were telling me you had a moment of panic with the Carpenter's lawyer where you were trying to figure out, are they suing me? Are they suing Planet Money? It has been a little confusing. Yeah, it was sort of hard to figure out if Toxie's being sued, what does that mean? And it turns out it's actually Toxie's creators that are being sued, her parents. And George and the Carpenters are the ones doing the suing. So they've filed a class action lawsuit. It's also named the Boilermakers Pension Fund. The National Boilermakers have a pension fund, and they're also named as plaintiffs in the case. And we learned that they don't all own the exact same toxic asset as us. It's more like Toxie's younger sibling. Their asset was put together by the exact same players, same structure, but it was created one year later. So very similar homes, homeowners that are really struggling just as much as ours, but it's not the exact same homes. Wait, just last week you did that story about how the Fed owns Toxie's younger sibling. So is this mean that the Carpenters and the Boilermakers and the Federal Reserve Bank of New York all own the same younger sibling of Toxie? Basically what it means is we are learning that Toxie has a very large family of toxic siblings, like a lot of us. So so the Fed, the Carpenters, us, we all own a very similar but not identical toxic assets. Although, Hannah, there is one major difference between the Carpenters and the Fed and us. Their lawyers made sure to point that out. This is Chris Lametti sitting with you and George. You bought a junk bond, but these pension funds, they were buying AAA-rated, cream-of-the-crop, investment-grade bonds. Right. I went seeking a toxic asset. (laughs) You knew what the risks were. And you didn't go seeking a toxic asset. No, we did not. The whole idea with these mortgage-backed or mortgage-related assets, these securities, is that you invest a whole lot of money up front, and then every month the homeowners pay their mortgages and It's kind of complicated. It goes through all sorts of Wall Street accounting. But basically, you get a payment every month. And what you're hoping, if you own one of these mortgage-related securities, is that the payments will keep coming in, and eventually they'll add up to more than you invested. But uh, with these toxic assets, obviously, that, that isn't happening. And last month, we got some bad news. Our monthly payment fell by quite a bit. (laughs) And that's scary. I mean, that's obviously sad when you see that happening. It means we might not get our $1,000 investment back, let alone make money. But to be honest, I mean, we weren't too surprised. She is, after all, (laughs) named Toxie, and we bought her to watch her die. But the Carpenters, they didn't happen to be part of an educational business news team like us, and they thought they were making a fairly safe investment. So their $100,000 is now worth $5,000, came as a huge surprise to them, and they are pissed. Now, Hannah, you were freaking out. Like we said, you were worrying, are we getting sued? And you didn't know what to make of all this. And I remember I said to you, wait, they're not trying to sue us. George and his lawyers are actually doing our job for us. This is fabulous. We have been desperate to know more about Toxie's past and how this toxic asset got so screwed up, who was at fault. And here is this group of carpenters and boilermakers who want an answer to that very question. And it's not just them. They've hired these fancy lawyers to try and figure it out. Now, we don't care about litigation. We're not trying to sue someone. But we did want to understand, and fancy lawyers are very helpful in understanding. And and Adam, actually, when I was talking to George, I sort of realized, oh, yes, you know, not only are we not being sued, but we're on the same side here. We're both investors. He's an investor. We're an investor. Just two toxic asset 
investors trying to make sense of this big old messed up world. How do you make sense of like who who screwed up? <laughs> I don't know if you really make sense on who screwed up. You, you, you make sense. I mean, well, I mean, I, personally, I get I get a little angry over it because the system basically let everybody down. Is really what the, the frustration that what you thought was in place really was not in place. That's that's why we're involved in all this litigation, and you know, help help us attain whatever we need to be able to provide those pensions for everybody. Did you? Okay, I think that's enough, really. Um, Okay, we can't talk anymore. Can we go off the record? Yep. So, uh, Hannah, just just between us, what what did he say <laughs> off the record? <laughs> so boring. I mean, they kept. This is a really hard conversation to have because we're sitting in this conference room in this law office, and I'm trying to talk to George, but he has these two lawyers kind of sitting over us, and they are constantly interrupting us and telling him to stop talking when a lot of times when it seems like we're having the most benign conversation. At one point, they actually take George out of the room um, and talk to him for a while and they come back and then he won't say anything. It's something about attorney-client privilege, blah, blah, blah. Can I just say, Hannah, this is what drives me absolutely crazy. We at Planet Money, like thousands of journalists around the country, have been trying for two years to make sense of what caused this whole financial crisis. And it feels like Nobody wants to help us. Everyone wants to get in our way. You know, Wall Street bankers refuse to talk to us or only say the most lawyered up nonsense. Congress is only just now beginning to look at the causes and we haven't really seen much evidence of of help from them in understanding this crisis. Finally, today, the SEC takes some sort of action. Where's the FBI? They said a year ago that they were going to do all sorts of investigations. Haven't heard much about that. So finally, here we have a guy just like us trying to find the truth. And we can't even get from him anything real. Well, yeah, I mean, that was (laughs) that's the end of George. The lawyers took over at this point in the conversation. Joel Latman kind of becomes the main guy that's talking but, I mean, I realized when Joel is talking, it is the lawyers that are doing the real detective work here, which is great because Lamin doesn't just represent the carpenters, but lots of pension funds. It happened across many different mortgage-backed securities that the carpenters fund bought and that we represent the boilermakers that they bought. So, in other words, bonds that were issued by Credit Suisse, by Royal Bank of Scotland, which there was significant money being invested by these very conservative pension funds that all of a sudden were showing signs of dramatic collapse. The collapse was due to something amiss at the beginning, and that's what we started to investigate. All right, now I'm getting excited. He's talking about investigations. He sounds like a detective. He's going to figure this out. He's going to identify the villains and make them pay. Adam, Adam. okay, the thing is, before you go to any of that, you you have to actually figure out who the villains are. There is a chain of events that happened in every one of these cases. It's a more complex chain of people involved. So is it hard sometimes to figure out who to sue? Um, you just have to read the offering documents very carefully. Just like 5,000 pages, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just read them and read them again. So, Adam, in this conference room with the lawyers, we're sitting at this table, and in front of Jolie has a stack of papers that, that's like almost up to my collarbone, it has all these colored tabs and big blocked-out highlighted sections. Basically, 
just for him to figure out what, you know, we at Planet Money have been spending a lot of time trying to figure out, too, is just, you know, who who put together Toxie? Where does she come from? All right. So so let's just list what we know so far. A little biography of Toxie <laughs> and the life of her siblings and cousins. That, yeah, I hear the, the Oprah music, right? Right. <laughs> the, you know, what, what the Carpenters bought, the Fed bought. So it, it starts with the huge subprime mortgage lender Countrywide. Countrywide gave out all the bad home loans. And I think most people would agree that Countrywide probably counts as a bit of a villain in this sure, story. Yeah. But Countrywide collapsed, so they're not around anymore. Plus, they weren't the ones who sold this security directly to the carpenters. Okay, so we thought, you know, maybe in trying to find who to blame, maybe it's the seller of the toxic asset. And the seller of the toxic asset was the Royal Bank of Scotland. RBS bought mortgages from Countrywide, packaged them into complex securities, and they were the guys who sold them as super safe investments to people like George the Carpenter and his pension fund. But Joel, the lawyer, tells me, whoa, it's not that simple. You can't prove RBS knew these investments were going to go toxic. After all, they were just looking at the ratings like all of us. And the rating agencies were looking at these assets, soon to be known as toxic assets, but at the time calling them AAA, perfectly good securities. So maybe you would think, hey, the rating agencies are to blame. It's their lousy ratings. Well, the lawyers did try that theory, but the judge dismissed it. This has actually happened a lot lately. And in most of these cases, what happens is the rating agencies say, hey, we're just like a movie critic or a restaurant reviewer. We're just expressing our opinion. You can't hold us to it. We're protected by the First Amendment. So basically, the lawyers are not going to find some big, clear villain. Instead, they get set on this quest for what is the smoking gun of securities, lawyerdom, a misstatement. Oh, no. Really? That's what it comes down to? <laughs> That's right. They're reading all of this and trying to find some weird niggling technicalities, some tiny little misusing of a word here or there. I was hoping that at the end of this journey, there'd be some dramatic speech by Clarence Darrow or something about justice and... Oh, man. No, we're talking about finding a phrase of maybe a couple words buried deep in all those documents that came with the toxic asset that the lawyers can prove would mislead an investor. Even though the lawyers know, like we all know, that that investor almost certainly did not read the entire 5,000-page... <laughs> no, that doesn't matter. Now the lawyers do read all of that over and over again, boxes of documents. To find a misstatement or omission, that's the hard thing. How that's You that? have to read the whole thing many times. But, Where is that? Do you, do you actually have that tag? Yeah, sure. So here we're on page 81... It starts at 80. This is mortgage loan origination is the section countrywide. All of this. And you're underlining over here. (laughs) Yeah, very exciting. It actually was exciting. (laughs) Page 81 of the offering document put out by the Royal Bank of Scotland when they sold the toxic asset. Joel Laitman found what he thinks is his misstatement, three lines stating that the underlying collateral in the mortgage-backed securities had underwriting guidelines that required a credit check, a credit check that does not seem to have been performed on all of these loans. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a case. A case that probably by accident Royal Bank of Scotland mentioned one thing. Anyway, so this suit is working its way through court right now. The lawyers are optimistic they'll get a settlement, meaning George and the carpenters and the boilermakers would get paid something by somebody. If you win, who pays you? 
It'll be the defendants who are in the case. So we're talking about RBS. RBS. It's not like it's not like there's a ton of money around and everyone has a ton of money. Like RBS doesn't have RBS actually, you know, almost failed and was bailed out in a huge way by the British government. So who actually ends up paying? Um, well, we're not there yet, but it'll come from those defendants. Uh, RBS made significant money churning out these mortgage, AAA mortgage-backed securities, and uh, our view is that they're, that they they these are very serious claims against them, and they should be made to pay. What, what pub is this? The Marquis of Westminster. The Marquis of Westminster in London. That's right, 50 Warwick Way, London, UK. <laughs> You're the manager. I'm the owner. Are you a British taxpayer? I am. And what do you know about um, the bailout of British banks? What do I know? I know that uh, the banks lost money and we paid, I think the Royal Bank of Scotland, 74% we bought them out, bought their equity. So, so you, in some senses, you own RBS? We do, yeah, the taxpayer does. You and the, the guys in your pub? Yeah. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's outrageous because at the end of the day, these guys risk a hell of a lot and then and if that risk pays off they get paid a hell of a lot of money I think it's disgusting personally did you feel like it was necessary though well that, that, we, that we bailed them out mm-hmm. no I let them go under that's what I say could you have worked a little harder trying to get what he really feels <laughs> yes, it, was, it was very hard to get to the bottom of how he really felt Chris Hayes, the owner of the Marquis of Westminster, he went on for a very long time about how upset he was by the bailout of RBS. And it's actually, it's worse than Chris thought. British taxpayers now have an 84% stake in the bank. But then we talked for a while, and I told Chris about the Carpenters and how they were suing RBS, which, as a British citizen, he partially owns. And he got a little more thoughtful. When you buy something, I suppose you take the responsibility... Of, um, of what the company's done. So I suppose it's inevitable, really, to a certain degree. We're buying into their mistakes, I suppose. Right, um, that's... On one level, it doesn't seem to be fair, but if it's, if it's a bunch of average men on the street trying to get their money back, I suppose I wouldn't mind so much. If American Express or BP or somebody were filing the suit, then, you know, I'd be a little bit more reticent in giving the money. But, you know, if it's a bunch of carpenters, then good luck to them. You don't mind if your money goes to them? No, I don't mind. I mean, it's far removed from me, isn't it? You know, if I was asked to actually physically put my hand in my pocket <laughs> and hand the money over, it'd be different, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. So we were hoping that this whole lawsuit would help us figure out who is to blame because lawsuits do one great thing. They figure out who's at fault and make that person pay so we could get to the bottom of this whole financial crisis. Whoever loses this lawsuit... That's got to be the bad guy. That's got to be the person to blame. Well, what have we learned? Countrywide handed out a bunch of crappy home loans, but they're not going to end up paying the carpenters. The rating agencies gave those toxic assets great scores, but they're not going to have to pay the carpenters either. RBS may pay them something, but in the end, that probably will mean Chris the pub owner pays. So I guess we've figured it out. 
Chris Hayes, owner of the Marquis of Westminster <laughs> Pub, is to blame for the financial crisis. That's <laughs> so weird. I mean, but on the other hand, George, the carpenter, as an American taxpayer, he's bailed out the fair share of his own bank. So, I mean, right right as we were packing up to leave when we were in the lawyer's offices in Manhattan and we're getting ready to leave, George actually gets past his lawyers to say one more thing. And Adam, it was this. If the taxpayers of Britain want to help us out of this, we welcome it. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you to the listeners of Planet Money for listening. We know that you'll be there for us when we need an inevitable bailout, and we'd be there for you, too. Yeah, if you need $80 billion, Adam Davidson will be there for it. I wanted to give a special thanks today to Kevin LaCroix of the DNO blog. He writes a great blog about all of these subprime-related cases, including he's written several posts about our taxi, which was the reason one listener sent me an email saying, you are being sued in the subject line. So thank you to Kevin. And right now, as we are talking, Jacob Goldstein is in the blog cave writing about that Goldman Sachs SEC lawsuit on the blog npr.org slash money. Go check it out. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Fana Jaffe-Walt. Thanks for listening. Style.